This is my favorite DJ, the podcast, the number two DJ podcast on iTunes by rating. And I'd like to bump that up to number one. If you like this podcast, if you enjoy this podcast, if any piece of any of the episodes have been of value to you, rate this podcast five stars. I want to be the number one DJ podcast on all of iTunes. I appreciate all the five-star ratings. I recently just saw that there's a bunch of comments down under the ratings, and there's a bunch of people that left their Instagrams, and I'm going to follow everyone that did that. So I appreciate everyone that rated the podcast five stars and that left a comment with their Instagram handle. I am going to follow you. I just saw that that was there. Uh, I think it takes them a a while to update those uh, comments. So don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. I will follow you. Uh, To everyone that came out to see me this weekend, I appreciate you. Uh, This upcoming weekend, I'm going to be in Las Vegas and San Diego. If anyone's in that area, come on out. Come see me. Uh, To celebrate the amount of people that have been listening to this podcast and all of the five-star ratings that this podcast now has, I'm going to be giving away three swag book bags. And you can find out how to win tomorrow on my Instagram, which is DJ. I will be posting an Instagram story giving you exact uh, specification, not not specifications, what is it, exact directions, there we go, tongue-tied, exact directions on how to win one of the three swag book bags that's going to have a bunch of stuff in it. I'm not going to give it away. You'll see it tomorrow on my Instagram. If you follow me, my favorite DJ, be sure to watch my Instagram stories tomorrow, which is Wednesday, May 16th and you'll find out how to win that so i want to tell you guys a story now that may or may not have happened and the people in it may or may not be real and the reason why i'm doing that is because i want to hmm i can't tell you why i'm doing that but anyway this may or may not have happened and the people i'm about to describe may or may not be real I recently walked into one of my gigs early, as always, and there was a group of people there pretty early, earlier than you would expect people to have bottle service. And as I'm walking towards the DJ booth, one of the people in the party kind of lights up and sees me, and I immediately know that he's a DJ. I can just tell. And he's like, hey, I drove here about an hour to see you with my people, and I'm like, wow, man, you're here early. Uh, So they had driven down to this gig to basically catch me play records. So that in itself is always humbling when people actually come out to to see what you do because they might be fans or just because they want to go out and hear something different that they might not be exposed to on a local level all of the time. That's always uh, a very humbling experience to meet people that know of you to me it's still uh, kind of a shock that people actually uh, would go out of their way to come see me play music so that in itself and it, it gets way deeper down the humble well because I'm about to tell you guys a story that may or may not have happened with these people so the more I talk to this gentleman I find out that he's a part-time DJ and he currently is a police officer. And I'm like, oh, cool. I've had family in law enforcement, so I'm always appreciative of somebody that is serving the community. And we talk a little bit about that, and we go into his DJ name, 
I thought his DJ name could have could use a few touches here and there, so we kind of dive into that. And then he mentions that he had served in the military, and I was like, damn, double whammy. So you, you were uh, a civil servant, and you served your country. And I'm like, and you're, you're here to hear me play records? You know, like this guy's an American hero at this point in my brain, and he was there just to hear me play Flowrider records. So... <laughs> Uh, it was uh, humbling, uh, to say the least. And it gets deeper. So we kind of talk about how he got into DJing, and he, maybe, maybe I'm making all of this up. Maybe this person doesn't exist, but maybe he does. He tells me that the reason why he got into DJing is because he was responding to a call, and there were some pretty bad people that he got into a gunfight with and he was wounded in this gunfight and was able to bring the two perpetrators to justice. And uh, now I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Like, it was one of those things where I really was speechless because, like, I just play MP3s on a laptop and somebody that's dedicated a majority of their adult life to serving people and being selfless felt that I was important enough in their mind anyway to come see me. And I'm like, dude, like I need to go to your house and like high five you every day for all of the contributions that you've given your community in this country. And as if I wasn't humbled far enough, uh, I met DJ cop, we'll call him DJ cop, DJ cop's wife, who had also served, and she herself had been overseas and uh, been in an IED blast and came back and lived to tell about it and was a badass in her own right. And I was just blown away that these American heroes <laughs> were, uh, uh, for sure American heroes, had come out to hear me play records. That honestly is one of my favorite things that has ever happened in result to me being able to play music for people and putting out this podcast. The fact that there are people out there like that in the world by itself makes me feel good to be part of the human race. And the fact that they came out to see me, the DJ, on a professional level is absolutely humbling. And I wanted to give them a shout out on the podcast. I mean, obviously they know who they are and to try to protect their identity their privacy i'm not going to name any names or go into like super specific details but wow talk about um uh just being humbled because that's what i was i really i mean at that point i was like what what can we talk about like flares like crab scratches like you guys are you guys are it like you guys are heroes you know thank you for coming to see me I hit up DMS, directmusicservice.com, and now I'm going to tell you guys why I specifically went to DMS. Because not only is DMS uh, run by DJs and for DJs, but they have a range of music that is unparalleled anywhere else on any other record pool on the internet. And I can say that with full confidence because they have DJs that specifically edit and tailor songs from the 50s to the stuff that came out today. They update their website Monday through Friday, every day of the week. 
If you can't get to a computer, if you're working, if you have a day job, maybe you're a police officer and you're riding around and the only laptop you have is the work one, right? You can screen music on your phone on the DMS app and you can send it to your Dropbox and when you get home, you link your Dropbox to your computer and you download the music that you screened during the day. So you don't even need access to a computer or a Wi-Fi connection to specifically get work done and screen music. That's amazing. That's a game changer. Now, in regards to their uh, elite staff of editors, one of my favorite things to do when I hear a rock song that I'm like, oh shit, that's dope. I, I need to get that song in case I ever decide to play it, whether it be from the 2000s, from the 90s, the 80s, or a classic rock song. Usually, 99% of the time, I'll hop on DMS and they have an edit with an intro, a short edit, and maybe even a redrum because they have the most comprehensive record pool on the planet. I mean, I'll, I'd put up their record pool from you know the 50s to now against any other record pool, especially with the edits that they have. Fantastic. If you're a fan of rock and roll music, if you're trying to spice up your sets, you're trying to change it up a little bit, you're trying to play something old that people want to sing along to, you can do that. And then if you want to download the brand new uh, Childish Gambino song, just go to the DMS website because it's there because they update on a weekly basis every day of the week and they put up all the new shit too. So huge shout out to DMS. What I'm going to do today besides telling that story that humbled me and made me feel really, really small in a good way, of course, I'm going to read some questions that I have in my inbox and uh, I'm going to save, I think, two of these questions for later, but these these are all questions that can be uh probably answered in a long form and uh that's what i want to do today on friday i'm going to be posting a mix by graham funky he was my guest last week on the podcast we had the two-part uh podcast and hopefully that was something that a lot of djs can benefit from i mean combined we probably have yeesh, 45 50 years of experience in the dj game so if you haven't heard those podcasts with Graham Funky, please go back and listen to them. And if you enjoy those, obviously listen to the Excel podcast. I mean, just go back. If, you, if you're if you just finding this podcast, hopefully you'll go back and listen because every single one has really, really important, direct, and specific information to help DJs and maybe even artists in, in any field that might be looking for ways to expand their brand, get bigger, and do more things. All right, so first question comes from Mo, monosbest.com, one of my go-to designers, a fantastic gentleman, and a friend, actually. So Mo asks, have you ever had an epic fail at a gig? If so, can we hear the story? Well, I don't think I've had an epic fail that hasn't been recoverable so I've had the music go out in my gigs and specifically I played a gig recently where I get on and people are looking at me and all of a sudden the music shits out and it was because there was a bad connection with the mixer and it's about maybe 15-20 seconds no music and then I happened to hit my emergency USB and I would have done it a lot faster but I wasn't sure what channel it was on so there was about 20 seconds of no music that's about as epic of a fail as as it gets to um, I'm always watchful of people in my surroundings. So if there's drunk people dancing, the turntables go into internal mode. If there's somebody waving a drink around, I ask them to stop it. 
I try to keep my DJ booth as clear as possible, even though I do recognize that it's a party, so people are going to go up there if they can or if they're invited or if there's a table sold. So I'm not like one of those, like, stay out of my booth DJs. Like, that's kind of whack to me. It's like it's a party, dude. Like, chill. You're not doing any... You're not fucking... You're not doing open heart surgery up there. You know what I'm saying? Like, just have have a little bit of fun. So, epic fails. I can't really think of any. Um, because the most the music has ever been out has been like 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And if it's ever been longer than that, I might have just started a chant. <laughs> uh, one of my least favorite things is when the music goes out and whoever's playing music just like throws their hands up like, mm, wasn't me, not it. Not it, not me. It's like, bitch, don't throw your hands up. Problem solve. Figure out what's going on. You know? Or, or another one. <laughs> uh, one time, Joe Maz and I were playing we're playing music, and the music went out. And uh, in that, like, you know, there's like a split second of silence because people are trying to figure out if there's like a break in the music or if it really just went out. So the music goes out. There's that split second of silence, complete silence throughout the club. And Joe just goes, not it. <laughs> he said not it. Oh, my God. And so I'm supposed to be troubleshooting and figuring out why the music went out. And I couldn't stop laughing. Like, I couldn't open my eyes wide enough to see what the hell was going on. It was like comedic timing at 100. It was the best comedy moment, I think, of my DJ career. Not it. Oh, boy. But, I mean, uh, he didn't throw his hands up, though. He was already trying to problem solve it. <laughs> just thinking back at that moment. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. All right. Uh, so next question by Mo. On one of your podcasts, you mentioned looking up to certain DJs. Can you name a few other non-open format DJs who you are into? Uh, no. I don't really have any non-open format DJs I'm into. Um, Not really, man. I'm thinking here, but most non-open format DJs are like producers. And then I would strip that DJ title because they're not really DJs. They just make music and sell tickets. So I, I, I mean, and honestly, I don't know. Non-open format DJs. I, uh, well, I mean, DJ Shadow is a great producer. He's a DJ. Uh, RJD2, and I'm not sure if he's a DJ, but uh, let me just read the next question. That's a hard one. I'd really have to stop and think about that, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. I know your roots started in hip-hop. Did you ever consider going into a different music style? For example, house, techno, drum and bass, etc. cetera. Uh, no, not really. Uh, because I feel like when you, when you go into a specific niche or niche, you are uh, putting yourself into a corner and only certain people will listen to something, right? The majority of people will, will always be in the middle and have a wide taste but only a specific group might like techno or drum and bass. So like if I decided to dive into drum and bass, then I would only be appealing to the people that like drum and bass. And that's a small sliver of the consumer market of music. House music, you can argue that there's a bigger contingency, uh, especially over the last couple of years. It's definitely gotten a whole lot bigger. There will always be that underground segment of house music that no matter what will always exist. And then you have like the European 
sector of house music where like literally in Europe where you can play house music in a lot of different places but I feel like the majority of people listen to radio and have eclectic tastes and they don't just want to hear one thing um, I'm not an artist that likes to paint with just one color I like to have a palette of different colors and make things interesting and intricate and different not just one color finally from Mo. As we all know, some DJs certainly have a superiority complex about their genre or the type of events they play. While I've never known you to fall into that category, I am sure a lot of the listeners have their opinions about what constitutes the hierarchy of DJs. I, I'm already laughing because I see what you're doing here. And you actually... Uh, you, you <laughs> Mo writes, I know you're going to hate me for putting you on the spot like this, but if you were in charge of setting up a list like DJ Mag Top 100... What what, uh, what would be your personal parameters when doing so? Oh, man. So if I were in charge of a top 100 list of DJs, it would probably, if I had like freedom to do whatever I wanted with this list and people had to comply, it would factor in, I think, a lot of different things. Number one, the amount of gigs that get played because uh, I feel like if somebody's playing shows Four times a week, they're hitting a bunch of people, and that means something. Uh, I would, okay, so there's that. Uh, the amount of gigs the person plays in a year, how much money they made, like for real money. Like if you wanted to be a part of my list, I need to see your corporate tax return. Like I'm not going to like guesstimate. So you want to be on my list, I need to see real money. Uh, and obviously, that could be something that we could fill out a contract and would never see the light of day no one would ever have to find out but i would have to factor that into my algorithm and that would whoever made a lot of money playing a lot of gigs for a lot of people that would be something that i would be interested in you know bumping up that dj uh i think that social media and talent and it's sad that i named talent last but i'm just telling you how i would run my TJ list. So if you don't want to be a part of it, go somewhere else, right? So because I kind of figure that if you're talented, you're playing a lot and people are paying you good money as a DJ, which is not always the case, but it, you know, market fundamentals and um, certain things are unavoidable. And I think you have to be good to consistently work. That's just how it works. Consistency will get you multiple gigs. So I would factor those things. Amount of uh, gigs played, how much money they made, uh, social media and influence, and talent. That would be my my way of my parameters for setting up my DJ list. Thank you, Mo, for your question. Um, all right. Oh shit! I just closed the whole thing. Can I get back to it? No. See, I have to turn off my internet because I get a weird crackling uh, interference sound when I have my internet on. So I like opened all these emails up and um, and left them open and then I just closed them. And uh, now I'm reopening them as I'm stalling for time. And um, here we go. Jared, DJ, mm, DJ Jewed. Oh, dude, is that your real name? Jared, listen to me. Change your DJ name immediately. That sounds like a two-year-old is speaking, sir. You you could just be Jared V. That's a dope name. 
but like DJ, what you have right now is not going to work. My opinion, of course. From a marketing standpoint, I, I don't think it would work. What's up, Conflict? Hi, Jared. Jared V, your new DJ name. I was recently approached by a rapper on Instagram who asked me to scratch slash make some sort of a short routine with a song. His music is cool, so I don't mind doing it. Also, I don't know him personally, but he's a friend of a friend. Is this something I should charge for? And if so, what do you think would be a fair price? Absolutely not. His music is cool. You don't mind doing it. You just answered your own question. Why would you want to make money off of that? I mean, I get it. You you try to squeeze every stone that you can, but you can't always... I think I might have messed that analogy up. Can't squeeze blood out of a stone. Um, but look, you try to you try to squeeze every lemon that you get a hand on, right? And try to make some money. But <clears throat> when it comes to this kind of thing, bro, like just take it as an exercise in editing and making a short routine. You enjoy the music. You don't mind doing it. Why would you charge him? Maybe the dude blows up and becomes a fantastically well-known rapper. And then you hit him up and you're like, yo, I'm your tour DJ. The end. Look look at the long term. Look at if it works out. Look at if he's got a bunch of followers on social media and he tags you in what you're making. That's more valuable than a hundred bucks. Because if you charged any if you <laughs> if you charged any more than a hundred dollars, like I would call you silly. Uh and so it's just not worth that money. It's not worth it to ask for that money. You should just find a different way of making your work valuable. Um, I'm not saying that you should do it for free, but I'm saying find a different way of making your work valuable. Building a relationship with someone is worth more than $100. Maybe in the future he needs some sort of music for an album and he's getting the album pushed through a major record label and he goes, yo, DJ Jared V, I need you to make a song for me so you can be on my album. Who knows, right? But come on, don't charge him. That's silly. I mean... That's my opinion. I would not. I wouldn't charge him. I'd figure out a different route. I'm sure there are people out there that are like, no, man, you got to charge him. You can't do shit for free. Um, okay. I'm cool with that, too. Whatever you guys want to do. Me, I don't charge. Not for that. That's silly. I would just do it out of love. And then try to get my compensation in a different way. Question here by Stephen G. I'm a DJ from the Dallas-Fort Worth texas area i absolutely love the show and all the information that has been shared it definitely helps me not only as a dj but the business side of djing even though the markets are different than yours i've been djing for about four years in bars and clubs and i'm really trying to become a great dj and possibly a traveling dj later on i still feel like i'm a little new in the dj game but i am starting to understand and see how everything works i would like to join a local dj battle and dj event to get my name out there my question is this do you have any advice, tricks, or routines you do when you are preparing for DJ battles or DJ contests? I know there's a difference between party rock battles like Red Bull and skill-based battles like the DMC, but I just wanted to hear your take on them and if you had any extra insight. Thank you in advance, Stephen G. Or Stephen G. I'm going to go with Stephen, but it could be Stephen. All right, so Mr. G, here's what I'm thinking. Uh, your question is pretty broad, so... Do I have any advice? Yes, I do. Whatever kind of battle you're going to enter, uh, hopefully it's something that you have some reference point as to previous winners. So like, if you're going to enter the Red Bull 3 style locally, then go to the 
winner of the Red Bull Three Style, like last year's winner, and listen to the the battle winning set. Listen to the world finals and listen to the set that won the championship for whoever won. And then do the same for the year before and the year before. So I would say listen to the last three world champions of the battle you're entering and put a set together as if you were battling those three world champions all at once. Uh, I know that's a tall order, but if you want to win, that's what I would recommend. That's the advice that I would have. Go backwards three years, listen to all three world champions, download their set, listen to it, memorize it, listen to it in the car, figure out the ins and outs, write down ideas that you have, and battle those three sets. When you battle those three sets, then you obviously you're making up your own set as you go along, and then you keep that set once it's ready, and then you use that for your battle. That's what I would recommend. Now, if you're joining a different kind of battle, like something local, then go out and listen to your competition, see what they do. If they have any mixes out, see what they have put out. Uh, gain information, gain data, gain knowledge on your quote-unquote enemies in this battle. And come up with a strategy to make yourself look the best that you can based on what you hear them do. So I always think that battles are two-sided. Number one, you're displaying your ability to create and you're trying to bring down your opponents because you're it's the same thing but in different ways so you obviously want to make sure that your set is tight and that you have something going that's uh, unique and that will stand out but at the same time you want to make sure that your competitors get brought down so let's like you know dissing in hip-hop or putting together a, a battle um not a battle record, a diss record. So not only are you saying I'm the shit, but you're also saying that dude's whack. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing with DJ battles. Uh, so that's what I would recommend that you do. Now, thank you for your question, Steven or Stefan Gonzalez. Uh, and I feel like I have um, enough time to read one more question. And by the way, this Friday, once again, we will have a mix by Graham Funky come out on the podcast. So look for that. DJ Sam Smite. I believe I'm saying that right. Hopefully I am. Sam, I am going to do my best to not use any curse words during this question. DJ Sam says, Grace and peace from Alabama Conflict. You are bringing a ton of value through your podcast. I thoroughly enjoy the conversations and interviews with other experienced DJs. Sam, salute, sir. Thank you for listening. My question, what is today's version of paying dues as an upcoming DJ? The original DJs had to carry milk crates for their performances, uh, etc. Or for the performing DJs. So like you would carry somebody else's crates in. Gotcha. Thanks for your insight, DJ Sam Smite. So Sam, here's what I'm thinking. There's Because technology has lifted the barrier of entry into this space, there's a lot less dues that have to be paid in regards to like physical labor, manual labor, things like that. So like used to be that you would be one of the DJ's entourages and bring in their record crates. And basically you were like the, the second in command if anything were to go down or if something went wrong or if the DJ had to use the bathroom, you were there and you were the guy that would be like put on for a record or two if the headlining DJ had to go, specifically because you had helped bring in the records, right? So that's just one scenario as to how we used to pay dues. 
I would say that uh, paying dues uh, in regards to the field in general has definitely changed because people get put on as day one DJs. Like I, I got a computer, I have my controller, I'm a DJ, put me on. So there's been no dues paid. The only thing that they've paid is Guitar Center for their controller and maybe like a CDJ or a mixer, right? <clears throat> so I would say if you're going to explore the entire sector of DJing, there's only a small space where there is still dues that are being paid. And that would be at the major club circuit. Like if, if you have a major nightclub in your city or if you're going to a place like Las Vegas or if you're going to like Los Angeles or Miami, if you're in Miami, basically, there are a lot of clubs here in Miami that have opening DJs and headlining DJs. So the opening DJ, I feel like, is the slot for paying dues because it doesn't pay as well as a headlining DJ and you're basically there to support the headliner. So I think if anyone is uh, privileged and lucky enough to get an opening gig at any major nightclub, that is today's version of paying dues. That's like... You're, at that point, I feel like you're already on, so you're, you're not really paying dues, but they kind of are paying dues because they're paid a lot less than the headliner, and they have to play support. They probably have to pay, play more hours than the headliner and get paid less. So that is, I think, today's version of paying dues, uh, and I think a lot of people are struggling and striving to get into those opening spots at major nightclubs. So that makes that field very uh, difficult to get into. Just like back in the day, you had to know the DJ or build a relationship to carry their crates. Well, today you have to know the club booker or know people that work at the club to get in and be an opener. So I think in regards to today's market, the closest thing to paying dues would be being an opening DJ at a major uh, club. Also, if you open up at a club for long enough, the club is going to start to trust you. They understand your sound. You you build a rapport with the staff, and eventually they'll bump you up to headliner. Uh, so I think that's as close as I can think of, of anything in regards to paying dues. And I hope I didn't use any curse words throughout that. <clears throat> I wasn't really paying attention. I was just letting my brain flow. And that is the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. If you found this podcast to be helpful or any of the other ones, please rate it five stars. I want to be the number one rated DJ podcast on iTunes. If you're into free shit, if you like free stuff, follow me on Instagram, my favorite DJ. Tomorrow, I will be posting up an Instagram story telling you exactly how to get a free book bag full of swag stuff. I hate saying the word swag, but full of stuff that uh, will make you the coolest DJ in the world, maybe. So follow me on Instagram, and you'll see that Instagram story going out tomorrow. My Instagram account is my favorite DJ. Thank you very much for listening. We're back on Friday with a mix from Graham Funky. I appreciate all of the listens. You guys are the best.